We are at week six, and uh, we have been talking about character this summer, and it's kind of fun um, to dig into some of this stuff with you guys. And I hope it's been a good journey for you guys, um, looking at different things like courage and um, compassion, looking at tough love and tender love. Uh, discipline last week, and this week we're going to follow that up with something called sacrificial love. Um, we talked at the end of last week about how discipline uh, comes from Jesus, and because really for him, service and sacrifice went hand in hand. And with um, when we stop and we think about Jesus and his service and his sacrifice, it was more than just um, that moment where he stopped and took a towel and washed their feet, right? Like he invited those guys um, into everything that he did, into everything that he was a part of. And it's amazing when you stop and you think that he's sitting at, who he's sitting around the table with? Simon the Zealot, who is like, uh, you know, just always talking politics. And Judas Iscariot, who's like always looking for another way to do something. And Simon Peter, who's just like, just like, let's just push through this and overthrow this. And, and you got this. Like, he's just like the, the ultimate cheerleader to Jesus. He's like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Do it. And you got James and John who are like, at one point, are like, hey, those guys insulted you. Do you want us to call down lightning uh, from heaven to smite them? And Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not how we do things around here. Thanks. Anyways, like the sons of thunder, um, <laughs> they got that nickname for being loud and boisterous and just wanting like to, to fight all the time. And these are the guys he's sitting at the table with and he's inviting them into it and saying, there's a better way, guys. There's another way. And I know we've talked about this for three years and you just don't get it. So I have to show you one more way. And he gets down on the ground and he washes their dirty walking camp feet, right? That have been through everything you go through at camp from the waterfront to the volleyball court to who knows, like porta potties and whatever comes out of those things. And, and, and he sits down and he washes your feet, right? And he says, this is the way I want to model for you. But then he takes it one step further. He's not only that, is he takes them with him into Gethsemane. And he says, this is the moment of ultimate sacrifice. And I want you to be with me. Right here in that moment. And so it's really like, he's taken that service and he's like, I'm going to bring you not just into a moment of service and serving one another, but of true love. And I want you to see me when I am at my weakest in the garden, just before I sacrifice it all, I want to invite you into that moment. That's really cool. And love, I've heard love defined in different ways, but the best definition of love I've ever come across is that love is sacrifice. That when you love someone, you will give up anything for them. It's sacrifice. Would you give up? Think of someone you love. Would you give up time for them? Of course we would. We, we'd love to spend time. 
and spend time with that person and spend time on that person, right? We would give up um, money for the people we love. We would sacrifice uh, things that we have for people that we love. We would sacrifice dreams and we would sacrifice our ambitions and we would sacrifice uh, who we are sometimes, I think, just to be with the people that we love. We would sacrifice our independence and our privacy for people that we love. And Jesus challenges us and he says, I want you to take this sacrificial love and put it into practice every day. Because people will know you are Christians, they will know you are followers of me if you love one another. The way you love, that unconditional, that sacrificial love, that sacrificial service that comes out of your inner parts is how people will know that you follow me. God, Jesus tells us that God's way is this way, that I will serve you, that I will build you up, that I will cheer you on, that I will give you strength, that I will give up everything for you. I'll read through Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and you will see that, that Paul is, is marveling, and he writes it out in this poetic hymn, that God, like Jesus gave up everything, to be made in our likeness, and even less than our likeness, to be a servant to all, and to die in our place. God will give up everything. And Jesus says, this is God's way. The world's way is not that way. The world says, let's get the most pleasure, maximum pleasure for minimum effort. If there's an easy way, let's take it. If there's a fast way, let's find it. If there's a shortcut, then we, we need to take it. We are going to get the maximum pleasure for the minimum effort. And Jesus says, that's not my way. My way is to love. Love with sacrifice. Love with service. In John 15, and we've talked about this in that room, he says to those guys, there's, there's no greater love than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. And he's obviously thinking about when he talked to Nicodemus, who was a teacher and knew it all and knew the Bible, just like you guys all know the Bible. And he says to Nicodemus, who knows the Bible, in John 3, 16, what does he say? That God loved the world so much. God loved the world in this way that he gave his only son, gave it up for us, that we might have true life, eternal life. So if sacrificial love is the best way, then why does it suck? <laughs> right? Have you noticed that sometimes sacrificing myself hurts? Sacrificing myself actually costs me. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He's like, hey, there is a cost to being a follower. If you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross. And follow me. But there is a burden. There is a heavy, heavy cost. And actually it means taking up your death. 
You need to die to yourself and follow me and live my way. But it seems to be such a painful cost, right? He wants to make sure we're aware, fully aware, that following him means going to sometimes, may mean us going to our own Gethsemane, where we have to sit there with God and wrestle with him and actually sweat to the point of bleeding and pour out our tears and say, God, there's got to be another way. Sometimes following Christ costs us. It costs us, it costs us self-sacrifice, right? It'll cost us loneliness sometimes. How many of you have felt so alone following Jesus? I have. Following Jesus, living a life of sacrifice is exhausting. How many of you battle with fatigue, especially this summer? How many of you are feeling fatigue right now? in service, in sacrifice. That is part, right, of your service to one another, to those kids. Man, the cost of criticism and rejection, of having people pick apart everything you've done, sometimes it feels like, of just having the pressure of tough decisions of just being perplexed. How many of you have just felt perplexed? Like, God, I, I know you're there and I don't know where you are. And I know you have a plan for me. I just wish you would show it. I wish I knew what your plan was. This is hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a hard thing to live out sacrificial love. To put yourself Second, and someone else first is a hard thing. It's tough. And it can feel so empty. And you just feel like you're out of energy. And, and sometimes you just feel numb, right? Have you felt that way? How do we do this well? Sometimes we feel really angry. Man, if you ever just like given and given and given and given, and you feel like, does anybody appreciate what I've given up? And you get angry. Or you're like, I've been serving in this way and now I'm just bitter. Or sometimes you just end up just feeling totally burned out. You're like, I have nothing left to give. So if the best way, okay, so bear with me here. There is a positive part to this, okay? If the best way is, is sacrificial love, if God calls us to give ourselves up in sacrifice, if he says, it's not going to be easy, there is a cost to this. And we get to the point where we don't know what to do, then how, how can we find not just sacrificial love, but, but I want to encourage you to find steadfast love. That's a weird word, and it's not one we use a whole lot, steadfast. But it seems to be this biblical term that comes out, that we talk about. And... We don't use the word steadfast so much. We use the word maybe faithful or loyal, right? And God says of himself, I am faithful through the ages. And we get the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. It's there. The Holy Spirit will give us the power to find 
some kind of faithful, steadfast way of being. How do we refuel on the run? You know, I have this picture. Uh, have you ever seen like uh, how airplanes refuel in flight? Have you ever seen one of those videos where like another airplane has to come along beside it? And the plane has to keep going. And then there's like this really long uh, fuel line that comes out and somehow it connects on. And in flight, going at full speed, there's two planes side by side and one is refueling the other so it can finish the trip. Sometimes I feel like somehow we have to figure out how to, to get that fuel, even though we're flying at like 30,000 feet over the ocean, there's nowhere to land. We just got to keep going. This is what we're called to. You got to keep going. How do you refuel on the run? That's a better picture to me than like some marathon or running along, grabbing a gator and going like this and getting half of it. Like that sucks. <laughs> that poor person. You're like, you should just stop and eat the banana and drink the water and like, oh, I got to keep running. But that's kind of how it is sometimes, right? Like we just got to keep running and we feel like we're just splashing water at our faces and we're not getting any of it in us. And we feel emptier. And now I'm just sticky and I'm angry <laughs> and I'm tired and I'm empty and I still got half a race to go. How do I do this? How do you refuel on the run? So a great example of this is for us is some guy in the Bible named Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that sounds really sarcastic, but it's true. He gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. Um, there is a great episode. I don't know if you've seen uh, The Chosen. There's an episode where the disciples are sitting around a fire and they're arguing and arguing. And Jesus has been healing people all day. And then right at the very end of the episode, you don't see Jesus in the whole episode. He just staggers through the campfire. And he's just exhausted. He's been pouring himself out with sick people and the demon-possessed and the mentally ill and the physically ill and the, the broken people all day. And he just staggers through exhausted. And someone comes over and helps him take his sandals off and gives him a, a cup of water. And he's like, I just need to sleep. And I felt like that moment in Jesus' life. And I'm like, okay, so how does he refuel on the run? How does he get up the next day and have time for these people and, and these disciples that are fighting over here? And, and there's, they're just not getting along. And how does he do it all? He refuels on the run. He says, the Lord is my strength. I don't live on bread alone, but on the word of God. And he takes time. Like the disciples are looking for him. And where were you? I was praying. I, I went off on a quiet spot and I found a quiet place to pray and just reconnect with God. Where did you do that? A lot of the time, Jesus went out into nature. You notice that? He's often going into nature just to get a moment by himself. So how do you refuel on the run? Another great example is David. David's being pursued by Saul. Where does David end up hiding? In a cave. Like, how many of you just go to your bedroom and it's your cave? <laughs> but sometimes heading to our cave isn't a bad thing. We need that time away. You need cave time to stop. But you need cave time that's not just connected to your phone. You need cave time that's connected to God. 
Because Jesus, so David would say, right, he gets away into this cave and he writes this psalm, my enemies are against me, but you, Lord, are my refuge. You are my strength, my ever-present help in times of trouble. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven. I'm lost. I look to the mountains. I just pause. So how do you refuel on the run? Take time away. So there's two steps. One, fill your tanks. Okay? You're that airplane flying over there. How are you going to fill your tank? You have three fuel tanks you need to fill. You need to fill your spiritual tank, your emotional tank, and your physical tank. Fill your tanks. How do you fill your spiritual tank? Find your spiritual pathway. What is my way to God? What is God's way to me? We've done some of this in Timothy training, and we've talked about spiritual pathways. And it's, it's not a term we talk about a lot. But what are your ways that God seems to just connect with you or you just seem to connect with God? For some of you, it's like nature. Like when I'm fishing and nobody else is around and not even the fish, that's the best time to connect to God. I don't have anything distracting me. Or maybe it's um, in worship. Maybe it's in uh, sacrifice. Maybe it's like Lent. When I give something up for a week or I fast, I really sense God in my life, right? Or maybe it is like, uh, what else? Could be just sitting quietly. Maybe that's your way of connecting to God. So one, find your way of connecting to God. Two, spend time in silence. Do you want to fill your tank spiritually? Be quiet. How can we listen to God if we never shut up? How can we listen to God if we never give him a moment of peace? If, I, if you always have something in your ear or someone in your ear, you're always with somebody, how, and then you're like, I never hear from God. Well, when did you stop to listen? And just give him like half an hour to talk to you. God, I want to hear from you. Hey, here's a practice. I don't know if you know this. Uh, when I pray, I, like, I used to really struggle with prayer. So it used to be like I would sit down to pray and like within two minutes I would fall asleep. Yeah? Some of you ever experienced that? You're like, I'm finally sat still and I just fall asleep. You probably need to fill your physical tank, but we'll come back to that. Uh, so the other problem I have is I sit down to pray and my mind is all over the place. Right? You're just like, God, I want to pray today for... Uh, Zach and his family, because they're not here at camp right now. We, we miss them. And, and where are they? And what's going on, God? And I love camp, God. I really like, um, and oh, supper was good. And I hope we have more Rice Krispie squares left, because I love those things. And oh yeah, Zach, that's what I was praying about, <laughs> right? And, and have you ever had that happen when you're praying? And you're like, God, I just want to hear from you. And but I come and I sit down and my brain goes all over the place. Let it. I'm going to tell you to let it go all over the place. And when it stops, be like, okay, what was I? Zach. Oh, that's what I was praying about. But let your brain run and see where God takes you. God, I want to hear from you. Well, he's going to speak to you. Maybe he speaks to you through your random thoughts. See where it goes. If it ends up at Rice Krispies, you're like, okay, I'm off track. 
I better start thinking about Zach again. But it may be like that your brain goes to a place where it's like, yeah, Zach. Oh, well, maybe I need to pray about him finding clothes. I don't know why. And you're like, God, if Zach needs help finding clothes right now, would you help him? And you're like, I don't know where that came from, God, but that's weird. Right? And it's like, okay, and keep going. It could be random stuff like that, but you never know what God's going to do. And he needs you to pray in that moment for that random thing. I know, that's all over the place. But sit in silence with God and see what he does with you. See where he takes your thoughts and see if he doesn't meet you. I'm going to say this here. You cannot stop your obligations because you feel like you need to rest. Like if I'm flying that plane over the ocean and I need fuel, I can't just stop. Like, hello, attention passengers. I'm, I'm just checking out. <laughs> if that mask thing drops down, yeah, you grab that, but I need a nap. I'm not going to pilot anymore because I'm feeling stressed. There's no gas. You know, like you cannot be that person. You have an obligation. So how do you refuel on the run? Find some silence. Find your pathway to God. That'll fill your spiritual tank. Emotionally, relax. You need some R&R. Relaxation and recreation. Okay? So you need to relax. How many of you are doers? Like you need to be busy. You need to be doing something. You need to be going, 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 going. You're like, I just feel like so empty emotionally. We haven't relaxed. You're like, I don't feel anything. I'm so numb. Well, when did you pause? When did you even allow yourself time to feel? You need to relax and let yourself feel stuff. Let nature take its course. But you also need to have some recreation. What are the things you love to do? What are the things that recreate you? Is it fishing? Is it going for a hike? Is it going for a bike ride? Is it uh, crocheting? Is it making bracelets? Is it drawing? Is it playing music? Is it singing at the top of your lungs when nobody else is around? But after you've done that, you just feel fantastic about yourself. Is it going for a run? Is it having a nap? Is it sitting in a hammock? Is it playing board games? Yes. Uh, Find the thing that recreates you and and spend time in that recreation. It'll recharge your tank. Physically, how do you fill your tank physically? Man, your body is a temple. Right? We've heard this. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And it's in the context of talking about sexuality and how you deal with your life sexually but it's also talking about food and it gets to the point of it where Paul gets to this point and he says actually your body is a temple and it belongs to God and it's not your own it was bought by him so treat it like it's God's home like you're just renting No, not even renting. That you are the caretaker for somebody else's home. That you need to leave it spotless. You want to leave it in better condition than when you got there. So how do you care for your physical being? And you know these things. Eat right. Right? Nutrition is so important. Right? I have had to uh, dial back my coffee. I don't know if you noticed that. I'm down to three a day. But now I'm trying to drink that massive water jug. So I'm trying to do like one-to-one at least, like one mug to the, one of those massive water jugs. 
I am peeing a lot, but it will balance out, <laughs> right? But it's part of me trying to be healthier. How do I cut that caffeine intake? Um, slow down. I'm slowing down to eat my food. I'm actually tasting it. It's really good. Uh, slow down. Little things that you can do. Sleep. Get your sleep. Um, studies show we need seven to eight hours. Sometimes when you're going through uh, stressful times, you actually need more sleep. So if you need more sleep, on average, we're getting less, like we're six and a half or less on our sleep as a nation. That's pretty sad. So we're not even, like we're sleep deprived as a world right now in, in our nation. So get some sleep, get some exercise, do those things that recharge you. Okay, so that's the first one. Fill your tanks. The second one is stay connected. If you are feeling like this is the toughest thing to possibly do, you need to stay connected. Guys, we are a constellation. We are not lone stars all by ourselves. You are part of a constellation. Think of it this way. You may shine like the brightest star in that constellation, you may think, uh, I'm just the Little Dipper. I wish I was the Big Dipper, but I'm not. I'm the Little Dipper. Who cares? You're still a constellation. And even those are part of a larger constellation. So where are the, what are the other stars around you that make up your world? And stay connected to them. Lean into them. So who are, immediately, who's your family? How do they shine around you? How are you connected to that group of stars? And how do you fit into their constellation? Who are your friends? Are you leaning into your friends? When you're going through a tough time, do you allow, do you allow yourself to be vulnerable with them so that your roots can go deeper? Do you really lean into them? Or do you play everything close to the vest and you keep it all like light and you're always making jokes and you never get serious? because you don't want to hurt them, or you don't want to hurt. They've done studies with grass, trying to grow grass in a stadium. Do you know why grass doesn't grow in a stadium? Because there's no wind. What happens is that the grass actually needs the wind. It forces the roots to go down so that the grass doesn't die and fall over. And then when the wind comes, it has those deep roots to hold it there. Same thing with a tree, right? A tree is grown in a house, and then you put it outside. It doesn't have deep roots. It doesn't know how to go deep and hold itself down. If you want to weather those storms that are coming in your life, and you need to lean into them, you better have deep roots. Lean into your friends. Be vulnerable. Go deep with them. Let those roots hold you. So who is that constellation that you can trust there? Who are your mentors? Who are those like three or four people in your life that, you, that have been there, done that, that you can ask questions to. Do you have any of those mentors? Find some mentors. What about the church constellation in your life? How many of us are like, man, my church is broken? Yes, it is, because it's made up of broken people. But church is not an option. It's not like, oh, I felt like going this morning, or I was out late, so I didn't go this morning. Church is not an option. It is your family. We are the church. Find a local expression of the church universal and be a part of it. 
and see how your star fits in that constellation and how that constellation enhances your star. And then there's others, right? There's peers and there's like random people on the street and <laughs> coaches and spiritual directors and teachers and like it's amazing how we just go through camp and how does your star shine here at camp? There's a young guy uh, that is coming to camp right now. I think he's nine or ten. And last week he was given a Bible. I don't know who his counselor is. I do, but I'm not going to say. Um, it ruins my story. Anyways, you gave this young guy a Bible. And he went home and he told his mom, I got a Bible. And she's like, great, do you want to watch TV while I make supper? And he's like, no, i got to read my Bible. So he takes his Bible and he goes and he reads his Bible. And he comes downstairs and tells his dad, who is um, not a believer in Jesus and doesn't want uh, to talk about it, Dad, this Bible is the truth. Look, you can tell. Look how old the pages are. He thought the thin pages were because they were old. They just got thin. He's like, look, it must be the truth. Look how old the pages are. And it says that Jesus loves me, and he died for me, and he died for you, Dad. And his mom said he's been reading his Bible every day since then, and his dad has been forced to pick up his Bible for the first time in his life. And wrestle with Jesus when he's been running and avoiding him his whole life. You don't know where your star is going to shine. And you don't know where the sacrifices you're making are actually making an impact. And at the moment, you feel so empty. But you got to keep flying. Because you don't know the impact you're making. You can't see the ripples going out. And you're making those impacts, my friends. You're doing it. And that is why we push through in our sacrificial loving. 